Hello, everybody. Megan Zarn, extra back at the beginning to give y'all another very exciting video. And for today, Mars Marzarkas podcast episode 48. And, uh, and what, what do you look at the time? It is January 1st of 2023. So happy new year, everybody. We made it to a brand new year. 2022 is, you know, behind us. It's past us. It is came and it went. I looking back at it, it always feels like every time you finish a year and you go into a new one, retrospectively looking at it, it's like, dang, it's like the year flew by. But when you're in the moment, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's really fast or anything like that, though. But yeah, so today in this podcast, I'll be talking about a couple of gaming stuff, a couple of gaming news stuff that happened within the past couple of weeks. Would it be in the month of December or last Technically, yesterday was technically the month of December. Um, news in December is usually slow ever since you get past the Game Awards and whatnot, though. But the main thing I want to feature in this podcast tonight after I get through the news is my year-end review for 2022. This will be split up into basically two different parts. This one right now, I'll go over the first six months, everything happened from January all the way up to June. And then my next podcast episode in episode 49... I'll do everything from July all the way down to December. I usually have to split it up into two parts because by the time I'm done talking about all this man stuff, shoot, my time's about up in terms of how long I run this podcast and whatnot, though. But yeah, there's always a lot of stuff, and I don't want to, you know, skim out on any of the fat because there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about within each thing that we gotten, whether it's news, announcements, anything to direct, etc. Um, so I gotta make sure I go through there and cover all my gist, though. But yeah, so not too much of a heavy news oriented stuff. Usually stuff is kind of slow in the month of January anyway. So that's what I normally would do though. And then keep an eye out on my channel. I did put a little couple of posts up um, as like this YouTube post um, because I'm doing some changes in terms of how I handle my Twitch, my extras channel. And then there's going to be a few little changes come to the main channel as well though. So I'm just alluding to it. I already put some stuff out there. Still thinking about some other stuff though, but I was just going to, you know, put that little seed out there for y'all though. But I think y'all y'all ready to jump up in this though. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump up. Um, not that pop culture segment. I was just about to say that though. But let's go ahead and jump up into that gaming news. All right. So first up on the list, we got to talk about this. They did announce the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters are finally coming to consoles. If you're an Xbox person, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it just doesn't sell that much on there, though, but it is coming out to the PS4 as well as the Nintendo Switch. And that's where we're going to be able to play these games finally on console. It's been out on Steam for quite some time. I know they had some little bit of debacle kind of stuff going on with it with the in terms of like the font size text or whatever. I think that's the main gripe that most people have been saying, though. But here's hoping that they can, you know, fix that up because I think there were some listings for it with some pictures of the old stuff from the old version on the, the Steam version. And they pull that stuff down. So fingers crossed, maybe they fix that mess up, though. But. I know a lot of people were waiting for this. We felt like inevitably it was going to happen. It got rated or slash leaked by the ESRB rating stuff over there. And uh, we were like, oh, okay, good. Um, we got in our hands. You know, you know how it is with Square Enix. It's a, it's a little bit of, you know, a hate-love relationship with them. Yes, you love them for the good stuff they do. And yes, you hate them for the bad stuff they do. Because whenever you look at this, the cost of this, you would think, 
you think the, the cost of all six of these games, Final Fantasy 1 through 6, would be $60. You know, pack it up, seal it up, you know, physical copy. We're good, right? Well, what if I tell you it's not $60, it's 75 Well, then shoot. People were kind of going off the, you know, going off like, dang, why the heck is this thing $75? If you actually go and look at the Steam bundle, uh, the package that has all six of them together, it's roughly about that same cost. They're actually saving you some money. If you were to buy each one of those games individually, it will cost you more than that $75. I think it roughly averages out to like what's like a little over 15 bucks. I want to say 16 or 17 some of the prices for the individual values of it i think for like the early few final fantasies are a little bit cheaper than like four or five or six i think or something like that though so yeah so a lot of people weren't feeling pretty good about that but then what if i were to tell you this that the fact that we're not just going to have a standard edition for this thing we're also going to have a limited edition of it but um and then people are going like oh that's cool and whatnot though yeah i'm really digging that well, what if I tell you that that thing is going to cost you and set you back by like a couple hundred bucks? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it didn't quite bode that well for most people. If you're a diehard fan, maybe you picked it up and got it anyway, though. But 200 something, I think it was close to 250 something dollars, man. What the actual heck, Square Enix? Though I'm looking at this, um, I'm looking at this limited edition thing. I mean, you have like what two disc vinyl sets? You got the ninth anniversary box. Uh, you got a pixel art book. You'll either get the PS4 or the Switch version with it, and then you'll get some pixel figurines and whatnot. Though all of that stuff looks really cool, though. But two hundred something dollars, though, Square Enix, you're out of your darn mind right now. Like, what the heck are y'all on right now? I, 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 I don't get it. I, I just simply don't get it. Now, what if you tell? Now, what if I tell you this? On top of everything I told you so far. These games went up for pre-order, not at Best Buy, not at Target, not at Walmart, none of that mess. It went up exclusively for the Square Enix store. And then a lot of y'all might be thinking, oh, okay, well, shoot, that's annoying. But I guess it makes sense. Maybe they just want to take care of it themselves. Let me also tell you the fact that these games are limited. They're only making so much of these. And once the pre-orders are up and gone, that's a that's pretty much about it. Now people are going to be scrambling, thinking, oh, shoot, what the heck? I got to make sure I get this thing. And then the cherry on top, the sweet bubbling cherry on top of that fine looking ice cream sundae. Or maybe it's a peppermint one because it kind of tastes a little sour. No harm disrespect to people that like peppermint ice cream, though. But anyway, the fine cherry on the top is when the pre-orders went up, it went up after midnight. It literally went up after midnight. And that right there, I think that just made a lot of people upset. I just so happened to be up whenever they dropped this um this game for pre-order. Cause I I I kid you not. I'm like, this thing dropped. I'm trying to pull up the exact timestamp of it. Yeah, it literally dropped at midnight. It literally, that that's literally dropped at midnight saying, hey, you can go ahead and pre-order them right now. And it sold out within a span of 30 minutes. That's just insane. Obviously, I was going to spend like a couple hundred dollars or a little more than that on getting the limited edition. I ain't that crazy about it, though. But I did want to get the physical version of it because I knew 
when's the next time that they're going to release these Final Fantasy games 1 through 6 physically and not just only digital? I knew there was going to be some value behind it, especially since this game is going to cost you $75. The last sour thing on this um, twisted looking Sunday over here, the shipping for some all ball reason was like $25. Mind you, you're already paying for a game that's already over the, the typical MSRP of 60 the, the whole package, $75 in the game, $25 is shipping, $100 for this singular game that technically has six games up in it. And I was like, what the heck? If it weren't Final Fantasy, I would not have done it. Because I know easily, once I had this game in my hands, could, even though I won't, I could easily probably flip it and get $200 worth off of this thing. Make my, my money and then some, just double it. I know that's the value of this thing. Because it, I mean, it, the fact that these game sold out within the span of 30 minutes a little longer i think for the limited edition one and i don't think they they put something for like a back order or whatnot though but then they quickly turned around and they those sold out within the span of five minutes some point after the original pre-orders i think that's just the people that decided to cancel it or maybe the car wasn't good whatever the case may be though but that's just insane right there you would think maybe even if in, in retrospect looking at this in comparison to like some other stuff that was limited like the Mar super mario 3d all-stars even though that only stayed up until like from the release point of it almost to like the tail end of march at least you can go into a store buy it whatnot and they are still kind of floating around even after that march 31st date but this one right here it's just gone and the fact they limited it to just their storefront makes it even worse why the heck is the shipping $25? Maybe it's coming straight from Japan or something. It has to be at this point. I don't get it. But, oh my gosh, it's some pretty suspect stuff. I could say so myself, at least with this whole entire debacle of this whole entire Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster stuff, though. But y'all got to let me know in the comments whether or not you managed to actually get your hands on this or you want to have it, but you just kind of missed out on that window frame. Sorry, if you're just hearing about this now, you really would like the physical, that, that mess is gone. It's just straight up gone. You you have to pay scalper prices, and I don't condone that mess, though, but whole shoot. I think for, for collectors, this is going to be a, like, this is going to be a gem piece right here, having this in your Switch collection or whatnot, though. But yeah, thankfully I got it, but feel bad for those that missed out on it, though. But that's basically all I have to say, my little bit of a rant right there. Like Square Enix, y'all got to do better. Like, come on now. Come on. All right, so that's basically it in terms of the Pixel Remaster stuff. So now let's go ahead and jump on over to the next and last final bit of news I have for y'all tonight. That being uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Because um, we know this game is coming out here fairly soon. And it's supposed to be dropping out in the month of May. We don't have like an actual like day yet, which I imagine... We might get that February Direct, and I think at that, that's when we're going to have our big blowout of Zelda. It might get its own dedicated Direct even after uh, what could be a general Direct in February, though. But apparently, <laughs> we, we we got some images of a quote-unquote rumor leak, whatever, um, pictures of an actual limited, or not, I guess technically it would be limited edition, though, but a Nintendo Switch OLED model theme bundle or not really a bundle, but a theme switch for Tears of the Kingdom. You can kind of see right here, I got the images if you're watching the YouTube version right now. You can see the front of the box. You can kind of see the OLED switch one now. You can see the Joy-Cons, the stylistic um, dock, you know, the standard base white with a little bit of gold imprinting on there, though. And at first, you, you think somebody could fake it. I've seen some fairly convincing kind of fake 
OLED model things or whatnot, though, for pro stuff. I think I saw one's like some Splatoon ones. Pretty convincing stuff, though. But the one that really gets me is that one to the far right where you actually see the Joy-Cons. Like, you can physically see those right there. And it makes you think, well, it could be, technically, it could be a custom job someone could have done really well, though. But just looking at all of this, it looks a little bit, you know, it looks pretty convincing. I usually won't mention too much stuff, or you still, at the end of the day, got to take this with a grain of salt. But also, I don't normally kind of talk about this, at least that detail, When, and at least for me, if I don't feel like it's actually true. Usually my gut is pretty pretty good because i remember like the whole grinch leak and all that stuff i wasn't buying into it when a lot of people were i don't know, i just kind of have a knack of seeing stuff and i can kind of tell when it's legit and not legit and i'm i'm fairly certain i'm pretty sure i'm like i'm 80 percent sure that this is pretty legit how this got out here i don't know and my it's probably more likely they were manufacturing this stuff it's just almost like within like a month of an actual general direct where they could show this you know, we're getting closer to this release date, and it's odd that we hadn't gotten a lot of news updates on it. So that's pretty much kind of confirming it right there, though. So, yeah, that's honestly where I'm actually leaning on this right here, though. A lot of people have been making videos and stuff like that. I just thought I'll give it a mention as well, though, because I'm really looking forward to this. I would love to have this OLED model, but I already got the Splatoon 3 one. I said no to the Scarlet and Violet one. The Scarlet and Violet one looked pretty nice, though, too, but I don't think it looked as good as the Splatoon 3 one, though. The dot looked pretty cool, though. But in this one, I would love to have it. Particularly, I really wish I had those Joy-Cons ones, though, but I know they ain't going to sell that separately, though. But yeah, so that's pretty much it in terms of all I want to talk about on this quote-unquote leak. Again, take it with a grain of salt for this Tears of the Kingdom OLED Switch model, though. But yeah, that's pretty much it in terms of all the gaming news that I have for y'all. Um, you know, stuff is kind of slow right now, though, but I always anticipate this in the early parts of January, though. So now that we got our gaming news out of the way, we got those two topics out of the way. Now, let's go ahead and jump up into the main feature of the night, that being my year in review for gaming for the year of 2022. Alrighty, so here we go. 2022 has been a crazy nutshell of a year. I honestly didn't think we were going to get that many good stuff for this year. I mean, gr granted, coming off of COVID, what, COVID was the year 2020, it affected it pretty bad that year into 2021. So ideally, we should have had things picking up in 2022. And technically, yes, we did have it picking up, though. So I was like, oh, okay. And then just going back and looking at my whole entire list that I have right here, and I started going by month by month, we got quite a bit of stuff. And honestly, I won't be able to actually cover every single thing that come out in 2022, whether it's not in my personal interest or just too much stuff for me to actually just go through and talk about, at least with just me being able to cover all the stuff up in there, though. But I feel like I have a, a fairly good spread for most of the things that have released um, from this year, though. So we'll take it from the top. We'll start all the way back in the month of January, and we'll work our way all the way down to June. So here we go. All right, so starting off the first half of the year, the only indie game I think I ever played, I think, that I bought and played, um, for this year, it was Windjammers. Windjammers 2 
released back on January the 20th. And I was actually really looking forward to this game. Me and my good pal Sonic, um, we've been looking forward to this game. A lot of people play a lot of um, wind jammers or whatnot, though. But I don't know. Is it something about that and the way how arcadey it felt? I was just looking at it and I was like, you know what? I think I could buy it with this game. I actually play it with my fight stick. And I honestly have a really good time playing it. Every time I usually play it, it's usually always me playing it with Sonic. Because literally, the online community for it, it, you have to go up in there at certain times of the day. I feel like this gravitates quite a bit towards like a European audience quite a bit, though. Because literally, me and Sonic will go in there. We can literally do rank battles where you're normally supposed to be rank, matched up with somebody random, and we can link up and play against each other. There's not that many people actually playing this game online. So it's kind of funny how I can get rank up experience with him. We, we go tick for tack up in that thing, though, but it winds up working its way out, though. But yeah, it's honestly a really nice game. It's not super in-depth or whatnot, though. It's just arcadey. You know, you throw a Frisbee back and forth. They added some extra new things up in there, like the specials and whatnot, stuff that you didn't have in the first game, though. So yeah, honestly, a really enjoyable game. And I think it's literally the only indie game I had on my list for this year, though. So yeah, that came out early this year. I almost forgot it came out that early this year, though. But yeah, that's what we have for that one. Uh, Next up on my list, Pokemon Legends Arceus. That came out on January the 28th. Now, this game right here, honestly, I think it's going to be in my contender for game of the year, my personal game of the year, if I were to pick just five different games from it, though. And with this one, I just love every aspect of the game. Because literally, this is the first game where it literally felt like you could get hurt. <laughs> you could actually get hurt by the Pokemon. You were literally doing barrel rolls, ducking in the grass chunking up Pokeballs, sneaking up on them and whatnot, though. They'll actually attack you. You got to run away. You got to calm them down. You actually physically fought with actual um, legendaries as well as this other regu regular Pokemon. And it wasn't with your partner Pokemon half the time. Sometimes it was literally just you and them. I don't know. It's just something about that feeling. And then the fact that it wasn't necessarily open world, but I would say more like an open zone. The closest thing we had to technically be an open world um, with Pokemon. And we later got that by extension with Scarlet and Violet later on in the year, though. But yeah, the fact that you were able to, there was so much risk and stuff like that. And coming right off the hills of Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, Shine and Pearl that came out earlier in the year of 2021, November-ish, that left a bad taste in my mouth in terms of like just Sinnoh games and whatnot, though. Because, man, we really got jipped on that remake, though. But the fact they came out strong with this at an irregular time, too, a couple months after Brilliant Diamond, Shine and Pearl, and came out with a game like this, I was like, oh, shoot. And the post game, though, was really nice. And it, honestly, I think that's like one of the few only games I was actually able to go through. And technically, I said I 100% did it everything or near 100%. Because um, I actually, the game incentivized you. If you wanted to make sure you complete the post game all the way through, you had to go through and capture every single Pokemon there is in that game in order to, you know, face off against Arceus. That's just like the grand epic conclusion or whatnot, though. I won't say much more beyond that though but holy shoot like that the, the plot twist and whatnot though with the characters you find along the way the, literally some of the moments the you know i, mean, I want to say a little bit more but i don't want to kind of give it away for anybody that hadn't played through this game because you should play it even if you only play scarlet violet you need to go back and play this one though because it did lay out a lot of the groundwork for it though but the fact that 
it had that newness factor and did something completely different. You had the agile and strong um, style moves and stuff like that, which changed up combat quite drastically. Even though combat was kind of low and we didn't have it that often, though, I was like, man, there was just a lot of good things they did up in it. This game had quests up in it. When have you seen a Pokemon game actually have side quests up in the in the whole entire game? Like, what the heck? They had a little bit of everything up in this thing, though. And it's just crazy to think we got that earlier this year. I can keep going on and on, though, but that's just kind of a, a quick round-off little discussion for um for Pokemon Legends Arceus. I think it's going to be a contender for Game of the Year, and I probably will talk about it in some other video, maybe some point at some point this month when I'm going through and reflecting on all of this stuff, though. But yeah, that was an amazing, phenomenal game, and I really enjoyed it. I wish I could go back and play it again. Like, forget it out of my head and go through and play it again, because that was a great experience right there. But yeah, that's basically most of the stuff I had to go through and talk about for the month of January. So uh, we'll go ahead and flip it on over and jump to the month of February. Because February, uh, we had a couple of things that came out uh, within here, though. I think Nintendo kind of, you know, they, they kind of took a break in the month of February, though. But I did want to get some props and kudos to these other games that came out. You had Horizon Forbidden West come out on February the 18th. Now, tell me why. Well, well, before I say this, uh, Horizon Forbidden West, you know, for Horizon fans out there, they know what they're kind of getting themselves into, though. Though I think a lot of people kind of wish that this was just a clean PS5 break. I think that was like a lot of people's tidbits is the fact that it still was crossed in. You could play this on the PS4 or the PS5. And in some ways it does kind of um, hold back development for the game. You can't able to do a lot of stuff. You kind of have to compensate for load times that the PS4 version will have while the PS5 version technically wouldn't or whatnot though. But it did get nominated. Um, um, it did get nominated in terms of game of the year. So it did stand out to a lot of different people though. But yeah, so it was nice though, but I don't know why, but but Horizon always, every time that game comes out, a new one comes out, granted, we only had two games really so far though, but every time it comes out, some big old game releases right next to it. With the first one, it was Breath of the Wild back in 2017. And in this one, it happened to be Elden Ring. Because Elden Ring, oh shoot, that thing blew up like nobody's business. I'm not usually a soul, or not usually, I'm not a Souls fan. I tried a little bit of Dark Souls and it, it just would not vibe with me. I remember when they did like a online play, play demo test or whatever they like to call it back whenever it was about to drop on the Switch. I played it, I was like, I just could not vibe with it. I, I just hate that kind of nature, just going through and just, you try to learn the boss, but you do it so many times to where when you finally get it, you feel good and you got to do that grind all over again. I, I just don't like that kind of format. It just doesn't vibe well with me though. But the fact that this game blew up so big and everybody and their mama was either talking about it, playing it, streaming it. It was all over Twitch, YouTube. I saw so many videos on this thing. I was like, what the heck? It really blew up and it even hit like that mainstream. Like you just saw like different other people talking about it. And I was like, I was looking at this. I was like, you know what? This is definitely going to be game of the year. Like, I think they already won it. In my heart, I was already saying that. I didn't know what other kind of stuff we were going to get for the rest of the year, though. But I was looking at it and I was like, this is Scream's game of the year. When it just blows up that big, the Metacritic score for this thing, I believe, was like as high as, was it 97-ish? 
it was getting pretty close to the original Ocarina of Time, which I think off the top of my head, I think that one's ranked at like 98 as a Metacritic. But when you see something hit that high, and it was selling, I can't remember its original like launch weekend week sales though, but it sold in the millions like right out the gate. It was insane. I was like, oh shoot. So yeah, so I definitely have to mention this on my list because I, I know my good friend Sonic Q, he was streaming through the game, playing it on Twitch a couple along with a couple other of my friends though. And I, I know they would have had some words to say if they were able to join me tonight to talk about all this stuff though. But I, I did have to get the nod to, to Elden Ring because it was the game that technically won game of the year though. So I, I just had to give my props and kudos for um, from software making a game like that. And it'll be interesting to see what they'll do next in terms of whatever thing they're working on next, which we did actually get a reveal of it in the game awards, which I may talk about that within the part two of the year in review, though. But yeah, so honestly, good work from from them, and um, we'll, we'll see exactly what they'll have up next in store, though. But yeah, so that's pretty much it in terms of the games that released for the month of February, though. However, I think we also managed to get a Nintendo Direct that actually managed to um launch as well um during the month of February. It happened to be which I'm trying to pull it up right here. Yeah, I have to rewind a little bit. I did pass a little bit, though. But there was a February Direct that was on February the 9th, and it revealed quite a bit of stuff that um that happened to release the rest of this year as well as... um No, I think they stayed with it pretty much within the realms of this year for the most part. I can't remember what most of the third-party stuff because that's usually how the February Directs usually go through. But just real quick, streamline through some of this stuff because I know... Technically, I'll hit upon these topics a little later on, though. But we started off the the February direct with a uh, with a trailer for Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hosts, which kind of caught me by surprise. I didn't think they were gonna go back and do another Warriors game after we got like the original Fire Emblem Warriors, but we had you know Legend of Zelda or a Hyrule Warriors um, Age of Calamity, so it was only a matter of time for that. So I thought that was pretty cool. It was nice that we got that. Um, we got the um, they reiterated on Advance Wars, which, funny enough, when we got closer to its release date, though, mm, yeah, they 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 took that mess down, and we still have no word about when that was going to go back up. Uh, we had an announcement of No Man's Sky was coming to the Switch. Uh, Wanzers at the, or I said Wanzers at the ready. Um, that Front Mission, um, Front Mission first. I think they also confirmed Front Mission first, second, I think. Um, that was coming to the Switch. Uh, Speedstorm, that was a few of them. Jump back on the first party side of things. You had Mario Strikers, Battle League, which I was hugely hyped for at the launch of it, though, but or at the announcement of it, though. But then once we got to the actual launch, then I had a few other things to say about it as well. Um, they showed a trailer for Splatoon 3. We figured out that that game wouldn't come out later until like the month of September, though. But they gave us a look at Salmon Run about the the differences with the with the different bosses i think they revealed the coho zuna up in that one though um really nice stuff they reiterated that kirby and the forgotten land was going to come out le legit like the, the very next month um they brought back uh chrono cross chrono cross was getting a launch on the switch um they revealed that um they showed mlb the show 2022 interestingly enough that's technically a sony playstation game 
made his way on the switch so that was pretty nice right there uh they, they brought portal over there though that was pretty cool uh the big hitter uh live alive was coming out to the switch we we were um we figured out that that came out in the month of july though and that was released um revealed right there which i was like oh shoot like another hd 2d game i was like give me give me give me um of course they had like another rhythm game with taiko drumming skills at the ready though um after that they did show that nintendo switch sports was going to be you know released out in the month of april and um, I know everybody was like freaking out. They were like, oh, what's these new kind of me's over here looking like that? Like, they're not me's, but bring back the me's a little later on in the, the trailer they showed them, though. So it was really nice on that. Um, I think also on the, the old side of things, they did reveal that Earthbound Beginnings and Earthbound was dropping for the Nintendo Switch online users, which was the first time we got an NES or SNES game in quite a long time. I was like, oh, shoot. Um, Moving forward, um, we finally got DLC for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I was like, years after this thing has dropped in the month of, or in the year of 2017, they finally decided to do that mess. And I was like, what the actual freak, though? But I was like, give it up to Nintendo to release DLC for a game that's like years old. I was like, oh, shoot. And that was pretty much it for the most part, at least for most of the notable stuff that I could remember, though. But then the very last thing they ended out the direct was with Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And originally, I think they dated that mess to release in September, I believe. And we're like, what the heck? I knew a Xenoblade game was coming on the horizon. I knew it was only a matter of time. And then um, a little later on, they actually changed the date of it and actually moved it up to the month of July. It basically kind of swapped spots with Splatoon because we figured Splatoon 3 was going to launch in July similar to Splatoon 2, but that fell back into the, the month of um into the month of September though. And that was pretty much it for um all the stuff that was in that direct though. So that was a it was a pretty good solid direct. I really did enjoy it. And that's basically all I had for the month of February right there though. So honestly some really good stuff right there though. And we'll go ahead and pan over and look into the month of March and see what that one had to offer. So uh I think yeah so on March the 4th, Triangle Strategy release. Now, this game, I think, is also for a contender of my game of the year because this strategy game right here, it, it was another HD 2D game made um, from, by, from, by Square Enix. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, this one looks pretty nice. It's kind of interesting, though. But the unique strategy concept of everything within this game, like literally, you had pincer attacks. You can literally have one person attacking from the front, get another person attacking from the behind, and do increased damage. It's not like Fire Emblem, where all your units go on one turn, all their unit go units go on another turn. You literally will alternate back and forth depending on you know the unit speeds and whatnot, though. You might go twice, the enemy might go twice two or three times you go once they go once you go two times they go three times etc uh it just depends on the layout of that like there and everybody has different unique moves and stuff like that so it's just like navigating the field moving one by one it's probably more re realistic in the sense of how an actual fight will go it you know for a strategy rpg if it was like more like real time ish but you still have a turn-based aspect to it though and i think the unique thing with triangle strategy is your decision making changes 
how what kind of ending you get because technically there's three regular endings and there's one true ending so your decisions always matter um between like three major things they kind of go through and talk about within the story it's like um i think i can't remember the exact three off the top of my head but it's like three different themes that you can always basically choose from your answers anytime a decision pops up though but i just love every aspect of the game with the way how whatever choices you choose was how you would progress in the story. And I always love that with strategy games, like where they literally put you in the footsteps of these characters though. And I love the character growth and development between all of them and everything else like that. There's a lot of things I could say about it though, but I remember doing like a little quick review on my channel though. So if you do look up Triangle Strategy Review, I think I snippet that from one of my other previous Zarkast podcasts. If you want to go more in depth on what I have to say about it, closer to whenever I was actually going through and playing it. I could probably sum that up better in that video though. But honestly, that was a really great and phenomenal game right there. Um, looking ahead a little bit more, um, after that game, we have Persona 4 Arena Ultimax releasing on March the 17th. And with that one, I was like, oh, okay, that one was pretty cool. I really wanted to get up into that one, and I have. I used, like, my fight stick on it, though. It's a really nice, enjoyable game. I know me, Bronto, Sylveon, and a couple of my friends got it. And we had some, honestly, some really good times with it. My only knack with it was the fact that with the story mode, because I hadn't played through Persona 4, I wasn't able to resonate with a lot of those characters, though. But they did manage to um, retcon that because... We do have Persona 4 Golden as well as Persona 3 Portable coming on the horizon. So I know technically whenever I go through and beat um, that game, I'll be able to actually go back and appreciate the story mode a little bit better, though. But I like it. it it's a really nice, um, fun fighter. It, you know, you know how fighting games are. You know, they, they got their own little knacks and different kind of differences that kind of make it unique in comparison to any other fighting game, though. But I just love popping out those Personas and using all those different characters and just having a good solid time with it though so yeah that game came out um on march the 18th mario kart 8 deluxe the booster course pass finally released with its first wave uh we figured out at least with this one where they're basically be releasing this dlc over the course of the next two years we're done with 2022. The rest of the DLC will finish at some point in, in the year of 2023. They're basically doubling the amount of courses we have in Mark Kart 8 Deluxe. And they're always releasing it with two cups at a time, eight courses every time they do an update. It's usually been about in every few months or something like that, though. But they started it off right with some Coconut Mall. I was like, oh, thank freaking goodness, though, because that was like one of my favorite courses from mario kart wii right there though so honestly that was some really good stuff i really did enjoy that and along with all the other dlc that we gotten um since then from that point then we look over here at march the 25th we got kirby and the forgotten land now this game right here i hadn't gone through and played through it yet i know bronto over there i know he's a big master kirby fan he's been griping on me for a long time to go and get this game it wasn't until all the way until black friday of last year uh, it's interesting how to say last year now, though. Black Friday of last year, and I actually finally managed to get that game. I I, I think I got it for about like 20-something-ish bucks or so, 25 or something like that in comparison to the, the standard 60 it sells for. So I was like, for that price, I was like, okay, I, I feel like it's justified now, though. But I'm going to start up a Twitch series for that one, though. So I'll have more thoughts about, you know, more thoughts on 
how I feel about it later on, though. But I did play the demo when it first came out, though. And it was interesting how it took Kirby this long for him to get his own 3D game. We saw most games make their jump from 2D to 3D from like the SNES era to the N64 era um, in terms of like, you know, Mario 64, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina at time. And, you know, the list can keep going on and on and on. And I'm like, holy shoot. But Kirby was just like one of those Nintendo IPs. Granted, yes, he had some kind of third 3D games like Kirby's Air Ride and whatnot, though. But if you're talking about just a mainline game, something like what Kirby Star Allies could have been, but that was 2D. Yeah, we hadn't had like an official full-blown 3d kirby game and it took this long to get it though but from what i played in that demo it looks to be a very fun experience i know one of my other friends i know and um I, one of my other college friends that i know i know he went through 100 percent of the game and he absolutely enjoyed every single aspect of it and whatnot though uh apollo who basically did my holiday special um podcast uh about a couple few weeks ago but yeah so honestly i think that game was pretty nice pretty solid for the kirby fans out there though i mean that's the one that they can rely on is getting a kirby game almost every single year and that one it did fairly good i heard uh, from a lot of people that was on their um, game of the year list right there it was just a nice enjoyable experience though but yeah, I think that's pretty much it in terms of all the games we got within the month of March. Now, looking at the month of April, this isn't necessarily a game, so to say, though. But I felt like it deserved a spot up here regardless, though. But that was on April the 8th was when we had the Sonic 2 movie release crazy enough i was like dang i forgot that happened earlier this year i always knew i watched it it's a great movie don't get me wrong but i was like man i was like a lot of stuff that's happened this year though but yeah that that movie came out i thought it was way better than the first one i think when you have your origin story already laid out you can kind of you know get straight to the meat and potatoes of it what you want to do in successful movies after the fact though i won't say anything about the the major plot points in case you hadn't seen that movie though but i highly recommend going watching it though but all the references they made with the sonic um within the sonic movie the fact they included knuckles in the in the fray you put in tails and whatnot though i was like man I was like, that, that was just a great movie. I was like, I don't think I've seen like a good video game adaptation movie like that in quite some time. I mean, we know we got the Mario movie coming up here soon within this year, though. But I don't know. It, it, it got a lot to um, stand up to with that Sonic. And I, I thought I'd never hear those words coming out of my mouth, though. But I don't know. But yeah, so honestly, that was a really good movie. I really did enjoy that. On April the 29th, we had the release of Nintendo Switch Sports. Now, this one right here, I remember was I got it, uh, my good pal Sonic got it, and Steven also got it, though. Uh, we were playing some Switch Sports. It was nice. It, it, was, it was a nice, enjoyable experience. I wouldn't say it's about as great as Switch Sports, or not Switch Sports, um, as Wii Sports, probably because the fact that this game right here should have honestly kind of came out at the very beginning of the Switch's life. Imagine if this was like a launch title for it, though everybody has access to either playing it or they went out of the way to kind of go out and buy it similar to what Wii sports i felt like it would have been a much more competitive game in the sense that a lot of people know how to play it so when you just have family friends over whatnot though or you know with the compatibility of playing this thing online which that's one thing i thought was a really nice experience going through and playing this game um, you you just had a lot more people interacting, playing, saying stuff about the game, etc. Though, so I just felt like the game kind of came out a little bit late, though. But what they did, 
I thought it was really nice. Bowling, though, it's crazy how you can play up against, what was it, like 10 different people, I feel like? Or maybe it was a little more than that. It was like competitive bowling where um, you literally knock out people round by round by round, and it's like survival bowling. You just have crazy stuff like that. Tennis feels really good. They included new stuff like volleyball, or they also added in badminton, which I was like, badminton out of all things, whatnot, though. Then they had some free updates, like they added golf a little later on. Uh, it was supposed to come out in fall. They delayed it a little bit, but I think we do have the update now, though. But honestly, I thought it was a really solid, fun game. I think you'll get more of a kick out of it playing it with like younger audiences if you have kids or something like that, though. But it, it, overall, a very solid game. And it's just kind of nice that you can play something equivalent to um, Wii Sports, but actually play it online with friends as well. They even had soccer up in that thing, too. So, yeah, so honestly, some really good stuff from that. And I think that's pretty much it for my list for all the stuff that happened in April. Now, I was trying really hard to look around and see if I could find anything. I mean anything for the month of May. And for most of the stuff that I kind of cared about or I thought that was kind of big enough to even mention, not a, not a lot really happened in the month of May. So I think I was just trying to catch up on a bunch of stuff or whatnot, though. But then June. You know, every year, June is a big old fat month for a, for gaming in general. Just, you know, with it being the start off for summer and whatnot, though. So, uh, looking back at it, June the 10th, we had the release of Mario Strikers Battle League. Now, this game right here, I was looking at it, and I was like, man, what in the world did they do with this game? Fundamentally, the game is great. It runs great online. You know, it, it's fun. At the core of it, it's fun. But the little bit of a lack of content, because, like, literally, when you pull up that menu, you can go into a quick match. You can do something with um, single player, like, it's not necessarily a story, but it's like single player campaign, whatever, where you just kind of face off against a few CPUs. You have your online battle league. And then you have, like, I think, messing around with your gear settings and whatnot, though. That was basically it. You think you would have like an extra few little modes or something like that, but that was it at its core fundamentals at the end of the day, though. And my biggest gripe, I guess, with Mario Strikers Battle League was the fact that it's literally a 4v4 game, right? So you would think, oh, you get four people over here and play against the other four right here. Not necessarily. If you want to treat this like Splatoon style, where you have eight different systems, you're trying to go all online because... Not everybody's able to play, you know, in a local setting or whatnot, though. But if you had eight different systems, trying to treat it like Splatoon style, play online, yeah, you really can only do that with four people. Because for some oddball reason, I don't understand why, they'll let you do two separate Switch systems on one team and two separate Switch systems on the other team. So basically, you're playing with four people, two real, two, uh, two real players with two AIs, and the same thing on the opposite team. The only way to get four people online versus another four people online is you have to have two switches, and it have to be like me and my brother with like Hacks and his sister, with Mario and his younger sister, and Sonic Q and Alexis, if they happen to be both at the same house. That's how like all eight of us will be able to play um, all online. It's kind of ridiculous. I don't understand how that couldn't have been a patch, why it didn't run through like an FAQ or something like that. I was like, what the heck? And that was the major, major gripe that I think has caused this game not to really take off or hit like a competitive scene or anything like that. 
I think, honestly, that was probably the most disappointing Nintendo game that probably dropped out this year. Because I was really hyped for this one. I had the original uh, Mario Strikers on the GameCube. I was I was kind of warming up on that, trying to get a little good on that one, though. But they just dropped the ball on this. They did a few updates throughout the year, um, releasing out a couple of new characters and a couple new stages every time, though. But it just kind of lost that feel. You think this game was really promoting online. They had whole entire battle leagues where you can form up with whole teams of like groups of 20 and you think from that 20 people you're like hey you, you can form smaller groups and represent your overall team and they just really dropped the ball i was just really disappointed with this one though i was like i, I just don't know what they did with this one I, I don't know i just i just really felt let down with that one though it is really unfortunate though but that's just what kind of happened with battle league I could probably say a lot more, but I'll, I'll just leave it like that in a nutshell right there, though. Now, next up on the list, we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Um, roughly, E3 came and it went, and that was one of the major announcements that it was going to be releasing out a few days later on after the fact. We got it in our hands finally. This thing was like announced, like what? I think it was some point in 2021. And... It took so long for them to... They gave us little updates here and there. They said they were going to increase it to six players, which was really nice. They put in people like April into the game, whatnot, though. And I was like, oh, shoot. But when the game finally came out, that was probably... And I think that one's almost another contender for a game of the year for me, though. I hadn't had that fun, that much fun with a video game in quite some time that brought me back to like my kiddish vibes of me going into the arcade and playing with a bunch of randoms on like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade um, system though. Like that's how much fun I had going through and playing that with a few of my friends. And literally I was able to play this thing with my fight stick. So I literally felt like I was transported back into the arcade though. But that was such a fun and enjoyable experience. They even went through and did a few more updates. Like literally it just happened like, I think like a month or so ago. Like no, within like the past few months or a few weeks. They went back and added an update to this game where you're even able to customize some more of the features um, in terms of the way and the style that you want to even play this game, though. So, honestly, this was just a really enjoyable experience. It wasn't, like, terribly, incredibly long. You can beat it within, like, the span of, like, a few hours. It really kind of felt like an arcade game at, at, the, at the core gist of it, which I kind of wish it was a little bit longer, though. But, I'm, I mean, it is what it is, though. But the fact that you're able to go through, you're able to you know, increase the levels of your characters as you're fighting as that can learn different techniques in terms of the way how you can, you know, beat up these characters in this classic style, beat them up. There's just a lot of things to do right. And that soundtrack, though, don't even get me started on that soundtrack, though. That, that I'm trying to remember what was the name of that one track. It's like the nice to meet you now here at the beach with full force, mess up your facial features. That That song with those lyrics up in there, though. I was like, man, that, that one just hits so strong. I was like, oh my gosh. There was just a lot of check, check boxes that this game really checked out for me, though. And I, I, I just really enjoyed that game, though. I can keep going on, but just, just go through and watch. Um, I think I might have like a long stream of that game somewhere on the main channel. But just go back and watch it. I was just having a blast playing through that game. Now, next up, we had Sonic Origins. This one came out, and I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of nice. Going through, and we finally managed to get the release of, like, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which we hadn't had that game re-released in, like, an eon or whatnot, though. So it was nice to get that packaged in with classic old Sonic, Sonic 1, Sonic 2 that they always do. And they actually put in CD. They put, like, a lot of work up into, like, the artwork and stuff like that. They have, like, when we 
pull up the menu and stuff that has the revolving island. I didn't get it at launch, but I turned around and picked it up at Black Friday. So I've been slowly kind of going through and chipping away at it, though. This is where the whole quote of me saying Sonic never Sonic um, was never good comes from, because I just never like Sonic one. Like it, it's a grind. Like who in the world came up with some of those stages like there? Um, I'm I'm thinking about that one where you're running through and you got like lava on the ground, but it looks like a like a traditional like grassland up above. I was like, I hate that one. I hate that one where you're in the temple and you're underwater and you have to fight Dr. Eggman as a boss. Just keep constantly jumping up. Like, I don't know what they were thinking with some of the designing of the game. I, I just don't get it, though. But outside of that, it looks like they did some really cool, fun stuff with this one, though. So, yeah. So, honestly, you know, just a nice, solid game right there. Then, oh, boy. On June the 22nd, we had a Xenoblade... Chronicles 3 Direct. And it came out shortly before, because this was weird, because I think technically during this month of June, we didn't technically have E3 in the normal sense. People were just kind of going whenever they wanted to kind of do their stuff and whatnot, though. Nintendo was like, we, we waiting all the way to the end of the end of the month to do their stuff, though. But before they did that, they just did a dedicated Fire Emblem Warriors. Uh, not, oh, I'm, I'm getting ahead of my, wait, hold on. Now, yeah, I was getting a little ahead of myself, though. They just decided to do their own Xenoblade 3 Direct. And I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. I, I guess roll with the punches, though. But that's where they kind of did that big blowout. And that's when they announced that they were going to do the Xenoblade 3 um, Special Edition. And they moved up the release date from September to July. So I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, that was like right around the corner. We weren't really expecting that and whatnot, though. Or maybe that announcement of it moving up came out a little bit earlier than that but we did get the reveal of the limited editions and stuff like that though but i was like oh shoot there was a lot of stuff up in there i didn't actually go through and watch the whole entire direct because I, I was kind of weary about you know different spoilers and stuff like that though but i was just trying to keep all of that in mind as i headed up into this game that was like hugely story focused and whatnot though but yeah i think that's all i can say on that on june the 24th Fire Emblem Warriors 3 Hopes finally released. And I was like, at least with that one, I was like, yes. Yes, yes, yes. There's a lot of good things I liked about this one. And I think some of the things about this game is actually even better than Fire Emblem um, Three Houses. In terms of you building up that community at your home base, it's a lot more convenient. It's a whole lot easier just kind of going through and upgrading and doing your stuff in comparison to running around at the monastery in three houses and whatnot, though. So in some ways, they got some, like, quality of life stuff with this, though. But I'm not really, like, a big fan of Warrior games, though. But I don't know what Koei Techno doing all this stuff, though. But every time that they've been releasing one of these Warrior games, the spinoff ones are the ones I usually gravitate towards. Like, the original ones, like, what was it? Fire Emblem Warriors and Legend of Zelda, or the Hyrule Warriors, they didn't kind of speak out to me. you think Fire Emblem would have really, would have did that with all the fan service they put up with all those different games, or all those different characters from all the different games, though. But that didn't even do it for me, though. But when you go back and look at Persona 5 Strikers, and you look at Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, and then you look at three, um... Fire Emblem Warriors, Three Hopes, all of these feel games that are in their natural series as if like it wasn't a spinoff associated with the Warriors formula. Like they all just naturally seem to fit. And I think 
at least with Kobe Techno doing all these warrior style games, I think they're striking the the head the nail on the head with all of this stuff. And I'm like, yes, because at the end of the day, it felt like this was like a natural entry within the Fire Emblem series, though. Um, it featured Shez, and it was kind of like a what if scenario in terms of the timeline on what if Bilo wasn't technically recruited, you know, to the monastery. Instead, Shez started to be able to work with them and whatnot, though. So literally, like, Violet becomes the ashen demon and whatnot, though. It was a nice, interesting concept. And then you have, like, this other... I'm trying to remember what that dude's name is. The dude in, like, all white that's, like, literally in your subconscious for, like, mo the entirety of the game, though. But it, it, but it kind of centers around him, though. But there's a lot of replayability up in this, like, all the different modes. Like, you, you can do normal, hard, whatever, though. And then, of course, with it being, you know, Fire Emblem Three Houses related, um, of course, you're going to have three different paths. And I, at first, I went through and did the Edelgard route. And I did part of the Claude route right as soon as I finished that. And then that's where I stopped on it. I honestly need to pick it up again and try to finish out the last couple of routes. Maybe I'll do it in the lead up to um, Fire Emblem Engage whenever that um, is getting kind of close and near, though. But I just like all the different things that you're able to do. There were some couple of major decisions that you make in the game that kind of determines like, what kind of ending you kind of get or whatnot, though. But I don't know, it's just the formula of going through and doing that, commanding your troops, covering points A and B, claiming the, the, the castle, the area, completing these different objectives and stuff like that. It just had like a nice, you know, kind of formula to it where I just really honestly enjoyed it from like start to finish of like one of my playthroughs. I, I, I just really genuinely enjoyed that game. So, yeah, so I think I about covered most of my gist on Fire Emblem Warriors 3 Hopes, though. But if you hadn't played that game, I recommend you going through and playing it because uh, I don't know. I don't know about Engage. I think Engage is still going to be fine, though. But I am going to miss some of this, like, the gritty, um, the kind of um, war, not warrior, but the kind of, um, shoot, Warriors is kind of slipping from, from me right now, though. That medieval feeling. It's gonna it's gonna kind of miss that medieval feeling within engage. And I'm like, I'm gonna kind of miss it. And if I miss it, I'll probably gonna go back and play this game and try to finish out those other couple of routes though. But yeah, so that was pretty much it in terms of that. Now, next up on the list, June 28th, Nintendo always goes to the tune of their own drum, though. But it was on June the 28th that we had the Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase. And at least with that one, I was like, oh, shoot, leave it up to Nintendo to wait to the very last possible moment in the month of June to actually do something. And it's not even a general Nintendo Direct. It's a mini. <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. It's a mini out of all things, though. I was like, what the actual heck? Of course, they started off with Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, which is like a big DLC expansion for Monster Hunter. That game literally comes out like, like days after um when this spotlight is so literally they're just kind of reiterating on that just trying to get familiar with all the stuff and whatnot though um they announced that near automata it was getting a um game ported over here for the nintendo switch so i was like oh shoot they're, they're coming out here banging and whatnot though i was like all right um they bring back some classic characters on the nintendo switch like pac-man world repack um, they got a new Bomberman on there. And then, like, the Mega Man, was it the Battle Network stuff? I think was all um, announced for the Nintendo Switch, though. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, it was like Battle Network Volume 1 and Volume 2. 
I was like, yeah, they, they had quite a bit of stuff that was supposed to be, um, that were coming out for the Switch here fairly soon, though. Um, they had Blanc, Monkey Island, um, oh, Sonic Frontiers. That was a game that was actually revealed, um, during the month of June. I'll, I'll say, I'll say some stuff about it now that I remember that that was revealed and they did their whole IGN to stuff. I'll, I'll do that as soon as I'm done with this. Um, they did like a Dreamlight Valley game, whatnot, though. Dragon Quest Treasures was announced. Um, let's see here. And then they did like a quick little mini recap of a bunch of little stuff. And then they announced Harvest Stella, which was like a farming simulator um, game, but combined it with some RPG elements. I was like, what the heck? I was like, I certainly wasn't expecting that. I was like, okay. And that was supposed to come out later on this year, though. Um, and then the big major one, I think a lot of people pulled away from the direct were these next couple of announcements. One of them was Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hope was announced at this mini partner showcase thing, which honestly, you put that with a couple other like mainline first party things. I mean, honestly, this could have felt like a just a traditional normal direct or whatnot, though. It had some good stuff up in there, though. But yeah, so that game came out later um, that year. And then they close it out in big, dramatic fashion. They popped up Morgana. I was going crazy. I was going nuts. I was like, they're finally doing it. After all this time, even after I bought a PlayStation so I could play this Persona 5 Royal, though. But yeah, they said Persona 5 Royal was finally coming out to the Nintendo Switch. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. So for all the people that really were interested in Joker and his character and, you know, the game he came from, ever since that he was revealed to be that first DLC character within uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, it's finally here. That wasn't it, because we also got Persona 4 Golden, as well as Persona 3 Portable, were also announced coming to the Switch later on next year, which happens to be the year of 2023 for us. We don't have too much um, longer to go in terms of getting those games in our hand, at least on the Switch, and basically on any modern platform, really. You can play it on Xbox as well, out of all places, too. But all of that stuff was announced at the very end of that Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase, though. I was going crazy. I was like, finally, I can go through and play that. Because, honestly, I wanted to play Persona 4 Golden way back when it launched out on Steam um, first. But for some reason, the the way how the compatibility and my graphics card and whatnot, though, my, my laptop should easily run it. But for some oddball reason, Atlas and the way how they programmed did the mess with the game, they were saying it wasn't viable with my stuff. So I got disappointed, though. But finally, I can go through and play through Persona 4 Golden as well as 3 because I thought, personally, my honest opinion, Persona 5 Royal is my favorite third-party game I have ever played. And there's a lot of good ones out there, though. But that was my absolute favorite one. It, 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 my emotions just went all over the place playing that game, though. And I'm, I'm curious to see where its roots came from with some of the previous games with 4 Golden as well as Persona 3 Portable, though. But yeah, so that was all the announcements that we had gotten within that mini-partner showcase. It was probably like one of the best mini-partner showcases we ever have. If you go back and think about the ones that we got back within, like, 2021, I was like, yes. And I think, literally, hopefully, that's, like, the last time we kind of get a partner showcase, because at least at this point in the game, we're kind of back into the normal sense of normalcy. Um, <laughs> if that makes any sense, though. But yeah, so honestly, I don't think we, we might get Nintendo Direct Minis, but I don't think unless they they like to keep the branding partner showcase, then I'm thinking from this point moving forward, it's just theme directs, standard general directs, or just mini directs though. But yeah, that was the last time I believe we got a Nintendo Direct Mini partner showcase though.
And um, since I already mentioned about it a little bit earlier, though, I, I might as well go ahead and say it again, though. But um, Sonic Frontiers, that was a game that was revealed as an IGN first during the whole month of June. They were doing some stuff with it, though. And the way how the game kind of ran a little bit, the way how it was like an open world Sonic game, which they were calling it a quote unquote open zone. And at least from the gameplay they captured and they showed to everybody like that, everybody wasn't kind of vibing that well um, with the game and how it was kind of presented and stuff like that. I remember doing a video out there in the month of June. I was like, wait, what is this? And I was like, a lot of people were, you know, hitting that game up hard. I mean hard. Like, it was not showing off in the best. I've seen people doing better videos at the time of when that came out doing better videos kind of taking some of the best snippets of it doing their own little creative trailer for it and that looked leagues better than what sega was basically passing off to ign to show off on their channel and whatnot though it was not a good launch but i will say this by the time we finally got to the game and then we got our the game in our hands i never seen a game really do a quick 180 like that so quick and be able to actually be pretty good i have the game it's sitting over there next to my ps5 i bought the ps5 version of it because uh it seems to run better basically than the switch than what a switch version is doing though so yeah i hadn't played it yet but i will at some point it's in my backlog though but from what i've been hearing from some of my friends that actually have gone hands-on with it though it's a pretty good game but i'll say a little more on that once we get to the part two when it actually launched and whatnot though but yeah, I thought I'd just mention it because that, that was like our first reveal for Sonic Frontiers, though. And then uh, last but not least, on June the 30th, I, I think that's like the last day in June, we had the release for Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, which was that massive DLC. I believe it cost about like 30 bucks, about half the cost of the, you know, the original game, which right now it's kind of selling for like some pretty good bundles where you can get like the original um monster hunter rise as well as the um expansion pack stuff for it though for way less than 60 i thought i saw it at one point like for like 40 bucks or something like that though but honestly from what i've been seeing and from what i saw with some of my friends it brought them back to monster hunter because i know most of the diehard monster hunter fans they'll go through beat do almost everything you almost possibly could do in that game and then they were just kind of waiting for the routine content updates, which they, they, they've been doing pretty good in terms of their content updates for this game. I actually own Monster Hunter Rise, but I hadn't, you know, gotten like extremely far up in the game, though. I don't know. Maybe at some point I'll, I'll manage to get back around and try to, you know, try to go hands on with it a little bit more so, though. But yeah, so but from everybody I've been hearing about from this DLC, it's been pretty good. For some of all reason, the amiibo with this thing, I don't know why they didn't really update us going into it it wasn't until like way after the launch when we actually managed to get our hands up on it though because i was like i always i always love all of those amiibo they dropped out on it though i just got the, the the i just got the dragon one from it though i didn't decide to get like the palico or the palamute version for this one though but i mean honestly it, it was some really cool stuff I, I really did enjoy it though or enjoy you know seeing people streaming and stuff like that like sonic you and stuff streaming and whatnot though yes he, he had some pretty good moments in that game though but yeah, I think that's pretty much it in terms of everything I had to go through and talk about uh, within this um, first part of my year in review for 2022. So honestly, a really good amount of stuff has happened up and within this year, though. And um, we're only getting started up on it, though. In the next couple of weeks after this, I'll do my part two 
where I'll, I'll talk about everything else after it from the month of July all the way into the month of December, though. But honestly, that was a, it was a fairly good half because most of the time with with um with gaming stuff that happens within throughout the year, the first six months is usually a little bit dry. And it's usually when you hit the second, second months, like you, you get off on the tail end of summer, you go into your fall season, you get close to the holiday. That's when they like to drop a whole bunch of games, though. But I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, I was like, hey, they, they, they did a fairly good job dropping a bunch of games out during the first six months. I think this might have been the first, uh, the best six months we had. But then I look at 2023 and I'm looking at all the games that's currently scheduled within the first six months of that. And I'm like, I think it might actually top this year's though. I'm like, oh shoot. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, developers need to calm down. We need to spread this mess out throughout the whole year because I think, whoo, these next six months are about to come out. Oh my gosh. It's going to be hard to keep up with all this stuff. We got like Persona 3 Portable. We got Persona 4 um, Golden also coming on. Um, we have Fire Emblem Engage. We have Octopath Traveler 2. We have Hogwarts Legacy. There's like the the Kirby um the Kirby game that's also supposed to come out I think January or February or something like that and I'm, I'm looking at this and I'll, there's like some games for June you got um you got Tears of the Kingdom up in the month of May and that's just some of the stuff I'm just thinking off off the top of my head and I know I still missed a few things though but I was like oh shoot but yeah I I know 2023 is gonna be a really great year though but just reflecting back on 2022. It, it, it's been a it's been a good wild ride and that first half i thought it was pretty enjoyable and i got a lot of good games especially quite a few games that are kind of in my um running for a game of the year that happened within the first six months so i was like hey i was like that that was pretty good that's pretty good nintendo or what have they been announced or games actually dropping though but yeah that's pretty much it in terms of my year in review for 2022 part one um, make sure to keep an eye on the channel. A couple weeks from now, I'll do my second part covering the second half or whatnot, though. But yeah, I'm pretty much going to end the podcast right here and there because that was a whole lot of talking right there. And normally I'll do like my what I've been watching segments, you know, the what I've been watching segments, the what I've been playing and all of that stuff. I just kind of want to focus primarily just on this. So that way y'all have like a good amount of stuff to listen to on that. That way I don't get too burnt out talking through all of this stuff. Cause it's a lot to cover and a lot to go back, dig up, find on the calendar and stuff like that, though. But honestly, really good year of 2022. And gonna go a little bit further in the next podcast episode talking about the rest of 2022. But yeah, that's pretty much gonna do it in terms of everything I have to talk about within the Zarcast episode 48. So yeah, so honestly, let me down down in the comment section down below or wherever you happen to be watching or li- listening to this podcast, what were some of your favorite games that came out within the first six months of 2022? Uh, whether you've been going through and um, really enjoying like Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, or maybe you really vibe with Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Or maybe you you really enjoyed the very start of this year and really enjoyed some Pokemon Legends Arceus. I'd love to hear all your thoughts down in the comment section down below. Those Nintendo Direct announcements, all that good juicy tidbits and whatnot, though. But yeah, and then also, if you got some little rants on Fire, or I was about to say Fire Emblem, if you got some little rants to say on the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters, or shoot, or maybe, maybe just maybe, if if we take it with a grain of salt and it happens to become true, are you really interested in that Switch OLED possible Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom um, limited edition Switch? I mean, who knows? 
I'm pretty sure that might be real, but you gotta let me know down in those comment section down below though. But that's gonna basically do it for my podcast episode. So if you really like this, make sure you go ahead and hit that like button. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button and that bell to stay up to date on all things video game related. I feel like talking about and discussing for the foreseeable future though. If you had to be listening to this on one of my podcast servers, whether you be watching listening to this on Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. And shoot, I feel like I'm still missing one more thing though. Wherever you're watching that on, make sure to give it a like. Go ahead and give it a little short review, just letting me know kind of exactly what you've been kind of liking, what you what you may like, what you may not like from the podcast though. I'm at that point where I'm kind of reflecting on everything I'm doing on the channel at this point though. But I'm always curious to hear your thoughts and what you've been thinking about any kind of stuff I've been going through and creating down in the comment section down below though. But that's gonna do it for this episode though. So remember, y'all. Until whatever video I make next, until my next Zarcast episode 49, where I'll be talking about the second half of my year review for 2022, I'll see y'all later.